is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Thanks to Dan Bongino. Thanks to Brian Mudd. Uh, we were in Florida celebrating my father's 93rd birthday, and I wanted to focus on him and the family. His birthday is actually today. I have returned, but I want to wish my father a happy, happy birthday. He's a wonderful man. Father, grandfather, great-grandfather, husband, you name it. Just terrific. I have an idea. Let's talk a little bit about liberty and trade and tariffs. And let me ask you to have very, very open minds. Because I know that people in this audience, you're smarter than most audiences, and you do have an open mind particularly when it comes to the issue of liberty versus tyranny, the individual versus government. And I want to say this. They shouldn't call conservative talk radio conservative talk radio anymore. They should call it it depends talk radio. IT, separate word, depends talk radio. For decades, conservatives on talk radio spoke of free markets. They spoke of Adam Smith, Milton Friedman, Hayek, and Mises. Today, not so much. They embrace Smoot-Hawley, Herbert Hoover, John Maynard Keynes, and Bernie Sanders. You see, this issue of tariffs is an issue of taxes. A tariff is a tax. A tariff is a tax. Our government and other governments put these taxes on various goods to tax you. We don't put taxes on foreign goods, tariffs on foreign goods. We put taxes on American consumers who purchase those goods. A foreign good just doesn't find its way into the country. Somebody orders it. Somebody buys it because they want it, need it, some other reason, desire it. And so when the government says, you know what, we're going to put this massive sales tax on it, 25%. But we're going to do it because we want to help you. Because we believe in America first. Does that really make sense to you? Now, I understand why China does it. China is a police state. China really doesn't want its people having access to all kinds of goods and products produced all over the world. It weakens their police state. And these socialist regimes in Europe, they're quasi-police states. They really are. When it comes to free speech and freedom of association, look at that fellow they've thrown into prison in Britain because he objects to immigration. Socialism is the weak sister of communism, but it borrows from it, and it becomes increasingly 
autocratic. So I know why China loves to tax its people and control what their people buy and control from whom they purchase these things. China also does something we don't do. It controls its currency. It doesn't leave it up to the international market where it goes up and down and all around. No, China keeps its currency low to force its people to buy products made in China. So the Chinese people are actually quite limited and what they can purchase, because they're not as free as we are. Europeans are more limited than we are in what they can purchase because of their governments. Their governments love taxes. And so they throw taxes on American products headed for Europe because somebody ordered them or wanted them. And they want to force their people to be limited to what kinds of products and choices they have. That's not America. That's not why we're the biggest economy by far than any combination of four, five, six economies in the rest of the world. If tariffs could make a nation wealthy, then all these regimes with massive tariffs taxing their own people would be wealthier than we are. Tariffs are taxes imposed by our government on our people. They benefit certain businesses and certain people. It's called crony capitalism. Not capitalism. Crony capitalism. And it tends to be the same businesses and the same people all the time. For a lot of reasons. Maybe they won't modernize. Maybe the wages are too high. Whatever it is. The vast majority of businesses in this country, small, medium, large, international, do not benefit from this form of subsidy taxation. For some reason, only certainly certain ones do that are politically connected, that have special lobbying groups, and whose businesses are in certain states. You see, politics here is trumping economics. Let's just be honest. Now, for the rest of us, if you have a 25% tariff on steel, that is a 25% tax on any steel not produced in the United States, any steel purchased outside of the United States and imported into the United States to make automobiles and refrigerators and dishwashers, you name it, Those taxes go to the government. But they're passed on to you first. You pay them. And so they go to the swamp. There's something very interesting going on with our It Depends radio now. It Depends talk radio. Taxes levied by the federal government on products you may want or small or medium or large businesses may need that are produced outside the country, if you oppose that now, you're part of the swamp. You must be an elitist. So if you support capitalism and keeping prices down for products that Americans want and desire and purchase, now all of a sudden you're part of the swamp? Even though the government benefits from these taxes? The government engorges itself with these taxes? Now, tariffs or taxes 
imposed by other governments on products that people in other countries want to purchase, those are taxes on their people. Now we get these higher prices in our country. So you'll pay higher prices for everything that's made out of lumber, because a big tariff went on lumber, steel, aluminum, God knows what's next. The difference is you may not feel it immediately because if you work for one of these protected businesses, one of these subsidized businesses with your tax dollars, it's what it is. It's an indirect subsidy because they have really good lobbyists or they're politically connected or they happen to be in a state that a politician is very concerned about. If, in fact, you're not one of these protected businesses and so forth, you may not even realize the price increases right away because they are diffused, as Milton Friedman and Adam Smith and other. Am I, am I allowed to cite them or am I being a purist? No, they're rationalists. They do in reality because those prices are spread all throughout the economy. So as Friedman would say, I take it, if you work in the steel industry, you feel the positive benefit of taxing other competitors outside the country. But if you are purchasing, let's say, toasters all over the country, you're not going to feel it directly, and you're not going to feel it right away because you buy a thousand things a year or hundreds of things a year. But it is harmful to the economy, and it empowers the central government. Because which businesses are going to be protected with tax increases on the American people? Which employees are sacrosanct? Which employees are not? And what about the downstream employees? The car dealers that might be affected. Or the people who sell appliances at Sears who might be affected by the increased prices and who might be laid off. Are their jobs not as important? Are their families not as important? What about job creation? How do you create jobs? With tariffs? That is, with taxes on services and goods that people want to purchase that aren't produced in the United States? Can you give me any examples of this? Well, Mark, we have the uh, Harley-Davidson. I'm talking about industry-wide. The steel tariff is industry-wide. But what about job creation? Businesses are not started. Businesses are not expanded to create jobs. Somebody's not working in their basement on an idea saying, I want to do this because I want to create jobs. No, they want to do it because they want to invent something and do what? Create wealth. The objective is to make money, not to create jobs. The positive side effect is to create jobs. Capitalism is the economic model that not only results... In creating more wealth for more people, it creates more jobs. And I don't mean digging trenches. I don't mean make work jobs. I mean productive jobs and, as such, better wages. Tariffs, I'll put China and our enemies aside. There's a national security exception in my mind. I'll get to that later. I'm talking about the, the rule, not the exceptions. Tariffs or taxes on the American people, 
wishing to purchase whatever it is that they want to purchase from whomever they want to purchase is a job killer. Is a job killer. I want to get the wages in a minute. But what else is involved in trade and commerce? Well, the products and the services, materials, yes. Ideas that are created elsewhere. Information that is developed elsewhere. That is knowledge. Knowledge. All knowledge doesn't exist in a specific domestic industry. There might be knowledge somewhere else. I'm talking about legitimately, not stealing it like the Chinese do. Somebody may have created something in a better way or may have created a better thing. Since the beginning of man and woman, mankind, there have been explorers, there have been pioneers who want to go to other places and find other things and see how other things work. That's the human mind. You can't confine it. These are all interconnected. Liberty, property rights, mobility, wealth creation, that is capitalism. Property rights. Knowledge. Knowledge. Now, wages. What about unfair wages, Mark? Unfair labor. It's unfair that in other countries, workers are paid less than in America. What does that mean exactly? What does that mean? Does that mean our wages and benefits are too high, so we should have a government rule that reduces them? Or does that mean that we should compel other countries to raise their wages and benefits? What, should we do this through the UN? How exactly is this supposed to be accomplished? Wages and benefits have to be relatively the same for there to be free trade, or a.k.a. fair trade? What if somebody in another country doesn't need the same kind of wages that we have in this country to have a, a decent life? Should we force our wages on them? Should we have an international minimum wage? What's the answer to this kind of question? What does it mean? It means nothing. What about the balance of trade, Mark? Which also relates to wages in a way. Well, products and services are imported into our country because they are needed or wanted by industries and or by you in our country. You want them. Businesses want them or need them. Or they wouldn't be imported. They don't import themselves. Products and services are exported not only because other countries might want them, because we don't want them or need them. If we wanted them or need, needed them, they'd be sold in our country. Supply and demand. But people and businesses in other countries want them. We don't need them. We don't want them. We consume more in our country, and we produce more than we need or want in our country. That's another reason why we import more, and export less. We consume more. All right, I'm not done. I'll be right back.
We bring in more. Why? Because we're a wealthy nation. We consume more. You want to be a less wealthy nation? Then you consume less. But countries don't trade. Individuals trade. Businesses trade. Entities trade. Products and services are imported because they're needed or wanted. Which is exactly why China puts these massive trade barriers in front of its own citizens. It's taxing its own people to prevent them from having choices because it's a police state. And whatever is bought overseas, that money goes into their coffers, the coffers of the red Chinese military. Same applies to us. But we're not a tariff nation. We don't embrace tariffs because we want to become a rich nation where people have choices. We want to remain in a rich nation where people have choices. Balance of trade. Let's say we buy a billion dollars worth of crude oil from Saudi Arabia, as an example, and they don't buy a thing from us. And yet that crude oil goes into our economy. It creates $5 billion of additional wealth, employs numerous people as a result. Wow, we have a trade imbalance with Saudi Arabia of a billion dollars to zero. So what? It's not like the national debt or your own family imbalance. I'll explain that more when we return. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. Blasting conservative fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. When you hear a politician, be he president, senator, congressman, say, we are putting trade tariffs on Canadian lumber. No, they're not. Canadian lumber doesn't get any tariff until a builder purchases the lumber from Canada. Then the builder is taxed. The builder who's building your home or remodeling your home, they're building a deck on your home, is then forced to increase the cost to you. Same with steel, same with aluminum. The people of Canada don't pay a damn thing. We, the American people, blue-collar workers, white-collar workers, union members, non-union members, people of moderate income, people of low income, people of high income, you are paying a tax. That money goes to the federal treasury to feed the swamp. Capitalism is anti-elitist. 
capitalism is anti-swamp, which is why the elitists hate it, which is why the swamp seeks to tax it to death and regulate it to death. What do you think a tariff is? Call it a tax. That's what it is. The framers put it in the Constitution to raise money for the federal government. There was no federal income tax. Tariffs were intended and are intended to raise money for the federal government. So those of you who support them, you're out there saying, please tax me. Please increase the price of my food. Please increase the price of my automobile. Please increase the price of the gasoline at the pump. Please increase the price of my home or my deck or whatever it is I'm buying. And make sure you take that tax increase and give it to the federal government. That doesn't make America first. That makes the federal government first. And there's a difference between America and the federal government. Now, the president is surrounded by economic illiterates like this Peter Navarra and Wilbur, Wilbur, Wilbur Ross. The man's worth two and a half billion dollars. He bought steel companies and coal companies. How did he make two and a half billion dollars off of industries that are supposedly failing? Because he's a crony capitalist. Do you really want to subsidize crony capitalism, ladies and gentlemen? Because that's what this is all about. A handful of industries, a handful of businesses, a tiny fraction of the working population. But Mark, we have an imbalance of trade. Really? Well, if I go to a car dealership tomorrow and buy a car, and he doesn't buy a car from me, I've got an imbalance of trade with that car dealer. Now, isn't that stupid? An imbalance of trade has no effect on your family, on your life, on the federal treasury, none. Because it works its way through the currency and it works its way through 191 economies. It's not like anyone's going broke or necessarily being taken advantage of. Let me explain. Let's take $1. And let's just say there's a foreign country. And uh, on the international commodities market or whatever it is, the $1 gets $20 of this country's foreign currency, okay? That's what it's worth. Now, the more dollars that foreign country gets, in other words, the more we buy from that foreign country the more upward pressure is on that country's currency. Now, what do I mean by that? The more dollars that are floating around and bouncing around in another country, the less valuable they are, which means the home currency, that country's currency, becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. And you might say, well, that's good for them. It gets strong. Not necessarily. It means their citizens can buy less. But it also means that they can buy more from us. With their currency. And in some ways that happens. Because there's more dollars bouncing around and their currency becomes more valuable. And then they take their currency and they say, all right, I'm going to buy these American products because our products are too expensive. So our American products are more appealing in these foreign countries. Then you'll say, well, then they slap a tariff on it. We can't sell into that country. Well, then they're taxing their people 
forcing them to buy domestically at a higher price. Those are police state tactics, communist tactics, socialist tactics. And their people suffer the most from it. You know, ladies and gentlemen, in the last half century, really since World War II, not because of World War II, since World War II, Americans have lived a life that no other human beings could ever dream of on planet Earth. That no other human beings could dream of on planet Earth. Every now and then Heritage puts out this this study of what it means to be poor in America. And it's shocking, is it not? The overwhelming majority of Americans have at least one automobile. Most have two. The overwhelming majority of Americans have a color TV. Most have several. The overwhelming majority of Americans, and it goes on and on and on about telephones and so forth and so on. Every one of those would be unheard of. And I've said many times before, you can get up at 3 in the morning, walk down to your local 7-Eleven, and basically buy any kind of food you want. I mean, not the, the really expensive kind and so forth, but any kind of food you want. You can get a hot dog, you can get a tuna sandwich, you can get a, you can get a tasty cake, you can get a piece of... Whatever. How many countries do you think you can do that in? A relative handful. Why? Because of tariffs? You walk into these major supermarkets today. There's nothing like it. Kings and queens have never seen anything like it. Aisle after aisle after aisle of 20 different kinds of potato chips and pretzels. I told you this the other day. Different kinds of meats, different slices of meats, different kinds of fowl, all kinds of fowl, stuff I never even heard of. Fish. Fish. I don't eat fish, but this kind of fish, that kind of fish, sitting in a window. I want that one and that one and that one. Lobster. Fresh. Crabs. Fresh. And then go down the the pharmaceutical area and look at the row and row of over-the-counter products. Ten different types of toothpastes. Forty different types of toothbrushes. Twenty different kinds of talcum powder. You don't go There's for want there. The vast majority of people in America. That wasn't created by tariffs. By taxes. The last half a century. You know, you would think we live in the third world, an undeveloped, poverty-stricken nation. Even the way some pseudo-conservatives talk about this country. No longer do they talk about rugged individualism. No longer do they talk about entrepreneurism. Everybody's a victim. But for China, I can't build this. But for Japan, I can't buy this. But for South Korea, I can't do... Ah, BS. They're nothing compared to our economy. Zippo. As a general matter, the balance of trade is not like balancing the federal debt. It's mostly irrelevant to each and every one of you. So like I said, let's say we import a billion dollars of oil from Saudi Arabia and they take nothing from us. We have a billion dollar negative trade balance with Saudi Arabia. So what? Who cares? We have more fuel that fuels jobs, that fuels automobiles. One builds the next. The simplicity of the protectionists is outrageous. 
They talk like Bernie Sanders. You have these, it depends, talk radio, burping up Bernie Sanders' talking points. Now, China is different. Our enemies are different, but especially China. China manipulates its currency. It keeps its currency artificially low. It does not allow it to float on the world market, which means the dollar can never catch up. All the other countries have signed on to deals where their currency floats. China also steals outright our technology, forces other companies to sell their proprietary interests to communist front companies, steals their proprietary information, steals their technology. No, the law should still apply. The rules should still apply. That's not about competition. That's outright theft. Rather than buying that car at the car dealership down the road, if I go in there and drive the car off the, uh, off the lot, that's quite different, isn't it? There will never be free, pure free trade. There will never be pure, pure fair trade. It just doesn't work that way. Too many societies, too many cultures, too many countries. And if you believe in American national sovereignty, I mean, it's really quite weird that other countries, their labor force has to earn what our labor force earns. Now, how are we going to accomplish that? They have to charge what we charge. How are we going to accomplish that? Some international organizations? No, Mark, you don't understand bilateral agreements. They're not going to agree to all these things, countries, particularly freer countries. Because they have freer people and freer industries, too. President said today, if it were up to him, there'd be no barriers. Well, he has a funny way of showing that. He has a funny way of showing that. I've got a lot more to say about this. And we will, together, when I return. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. on the American people. Let me be clear. They're not intended to create jobs in America or bring jobs back to America. We have 3.8% unemployment. The president himself will tell you that. It's almost called full employment. This is intended to protect certain industries with taxes, your subsidies, your indirect subsidies, you're paying, hardworking families all across this country. Obviously, those favored special interests and crony capitalist industries will be protected from competition. Many of those jobs will be protected, not in the long run. That's why the steel industry has has to have tariffs and protection for the last 40 years. But you will pay a price. You may not even realize it. That's the, the invidious nature of a tariff or a VAT tax. Europe's high on those too. These hidden sales taxes. Every family will be affected by this. And some people will lose their jobs. They'll just not know why they lost their jobs. You got contracts in place, long-term contracts where people are trying to purchase steel and aluminum and wood and so forth and so on. What happens to those? 
But the government gets bigger. The government gets richer. The taxes go to the government. Certain industries are subsidized and protected. And they wrap it all up in this phony populism. That's exactly what Herbert Hoover did. Exactly what Franklin Roosevelt did. Exactly what Bernie Sanders does. And now apparently it depends talk radio the same thing. This isn't for the little guy. The costs to the little guy are going up. Your taxes are going up, folks. Your taxes are going up. We can't produce everything in the United States. Besides, there are other things that people make, sell overseas at different prices that we may want to purchase. This isn't China. This isn't Europe. It's America. If we want to purchase it, damn it, we'll purchase it. And you shouldn't tax us for it. With this massive sales tax. That's what it is. On every damn one of you. It doesn't make America better again or great again. This is something America has done in the past to its grave uh, disinterest, if you will. You know, bet you'll never guess my favorite place to sit. Oh, yes, yes, on my bottom, but I mean place. My car, on the sofa in my living room. No, actually, it's right at this desk. Since um, my amazing new X chair arrived, and I posted a photo of it up there on Facebook, and it is as comfortable as can be. The X chair is not only the most modern and stylish piece of furniture I have in the bunker, it's luxuriously comfortable. It molds itself to my body, giving me ideal posture, which in turn gives me more energy, better concentration, and more productivity than I ever thought possible. Don't waste another day in that generic chair you've been using. Probably bought it from one of those office stores. Get an X chair, the real deal, and feel the difference. And heck, if you own a company, get them for the entire office and see how much your employees appreciate them and how productive they become as a result. Here's a special deal just for you, my beloved audience. And I mean that. Go to xchairlevin.com. That's xchairlevin.com. Go there right now. You'll get 100 bucks off. That's xchairlevin.com. Or you can call their toll-free number, particularly if you're sitting in traffic. Here we go. 1-844-4-CHAIR. 1-844-4-CHAIR. Extra comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. So go to xchairlevin.com right now. And by the way, if you use code LEVINFOOTREST, LEVINFOOTREST, you'll get a free footrest as well, which I have right under my feet as I speak. So you go to chair, xchair, xchairlevin.com, use code LEVINFOOTREST, get the beautiful chair and the footrest the footrest you'll get for free. XChairLevin.com or give us a call, one 844 Now, I'd ask that you listen with open minds. I think it's very important that we have a serious discussion about this. Let's go to Keith in Leesburg, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Mark, thank you for taking my call. I love your show, first of all, just because I always learn something when I'm listening to your show. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. I appreciate it more. Well, I I wanted to start by just saying, did we not have a revolutionary war over trade tariff taxes years ago to begin with? 
Well, yes, it was called the Stamp Act, among others, yes. And, and that was only about, what, 2% or a 3% tax? Yeah, it was very small. And, and the result of that and the willingness of the population at the time to not accept that and the end result was going to be not a peaceful vote either. Am I correct? Yes, but I'll tell you what I think is going on here, Keith. I know the president campaigned on this, and people said, well, he campaigned on it. Well, he also campaigned on getting rid of DACA, and now we're talking about 1.8 million new citizens with chain migration. You know what this is about, Keith? It's politics through and through. I hate to say it. I defend the president to the teeth better than anyone when he should be defended. But in this case... This is about going into these industrial states, pandering to uh, states, pandering to them, uh, pandering to the the various industries and so forth, trying to take the vote away from the Democrats, rather than making the the universal case for liberty, prosperity, capitalism, and trade. And it's too bad because if the Republicans don't make that case, nobody else will, except me, I guess. And there's plenty of Republican governors and state legislatures that participate in this activity on a state level. I'll give you an example. If I were to buy liquor in another state and bring it back here and sell it here at my establishment, how many people would be all over me for doing that? Mm-hmm. Now, you're right. And people move from state to state to avoid taxes of all kinds and regulations of all kinds. You know, when you're in a country, it's not so easy. Thanks for your call, Keith. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know what's happened in North Korea so far, ladies? North Korea. You know what's happened in Singapore so far in this summit with North Korea? Nothing. So I could go on and on about it, but nothing's happened yet. I will say for all those uh, John Bolton haters out there, you'll be very disappointed. Bolton, Pompeo, and, and Kelly, the chief of staff, will be having meetings also with the North Koreans when the president is finished. So all three of them are there. This will definitely upset the morning Schmo and Mrs. Schmo, who are psychopaths when it comes to uh, Bolton and other conservatives, as well as Trump. As well as Trump. Now, I've done this in the distant past. I want to do it again. Just so you understand, we, we, we do not live on an economic island here. It's impossible. And you need to understand, and you don't see it on TV, that a tariff on a foreign good is a tax on you. Because we don't reach into another country and tax their products and then they get to send them to us. It's taxed when you purchase it. Or when the business you work for purchases it. Or when the business you purchase from purchases it. So that heavy tariff on lumber from Canada, and we import a lot of lumber from Canada, or we did, uh, that goes into the walls of your house, or the floorboards, or whatever it is, the price is going up and it's going higher. The steel beam in your house that holds it up, you know, the, the weight load beam and other pieces of steel that are found in your house, and there's lots of it. The price is going up. Well, Mark, Mark, that's only if we purchase Canadian steel. Wrong. 
the American steel companies increased their prices too, just shy of whatever the tax is on the imported foreign good. That's the big secret. It's not like they're going to keep their prices low. They're going to go pretty damn close to whatever the tax number is. If it's 25%, maybe they'll hit 20% or 22%. Bottom line is, your prices are going up. This is a ruse. It's dressed up as helping blue-collar America. That propaganda has been going on for half a century. Tell me, in the Great Depression, brought in in part by the Smoot-Hawley tariff, that resulted in a tariff war all over the world, who were the people who were hurt the most? The politicians? The rich people? No. Blue-collar union and non-union workers. You have certain industries and certain unions representing certain people in certain industries who have good lobbyists, who have good propaganda, and now they're being subsidized by you, including other union members, other blue-collar workers, and other businessmen. If tariffs are such a great idea, then we ought to have tariffs on everything. And they ought to be very, very high to make America great again. It is the elitists, particularly on the radical left, who push for these massive tax increases. You can call it a VAT tax, a sales tax. That's what it is. It's a massive tax on a product you're buying or is passed on to you through the end product that you're buying. And it is elitists who come up with this. The really pathetic irony that people would call those of us who oppose this as elitists and supporting the swamp is preposterous. I and people like me are looking out for the workers of this country, for the families of this country, for the citizens of this country. Not Bernie Sanders and unfortunately not those who embrace the Bernie Sanders economic model either. I want to remind you of this little story I pencil. I'm going to give you the shorter version of it. The original essay was 1958 by a brilliant man, Leonard E. Reed. You can Google it yourself, too. Just to remind you how interconnected these things are. Mark, you're a globalist. I hear that crap, too. How am I a globalist? I'm a capitalist. But nobody defends the Constitutional Republic and our borders more than I. A lot of these people who've come along later and have a website and claim that they're for sovereignty, they're a little late, that they're against open immigration. Where the hell have they been the last 20 years? They weren't around when we were fighting George W. Bush, were they? They weren't around when we were fighting George H. W. Bush, were they? They were nowhere. They were in diapers or somewhere else. Now they claim to be leading this parade. They don't lead anything. They don't even comprehend it. All right. I pencil from the Competitive Enterprise Institute. It's just a few minutes. Cut 19, go. This is the world we live in. If we weren't surrounded by it every day, if we didn't take it for granted, we'd be dumbstruck by its very intricacy and brilliance. This is an ordinary, familiar wooden pencil. You might think a pencil is simple. Chances are you've been using one since before you could even read or write. But just because it's familiar doesn't mean it's simple. In fact, it's complicated, elaborate, beautiful, elegant. 
Its very existence is too improbable for any one person to truly comprehend. These are the basic materials that go into a pencil. Graphite, cedar, metal, and rubber. But if you had all the elements of a pencil right in front of you, could you make a pencil? It's not as easy as you might think. In fact, no single person on the face of the earth could do it without the help of countless others. And this is the key to understanding the world. A pencil, just like you and me, is the end result of a vast and intricate family tree, a symphony of human activity that spans the globe. Through their work and knowledge, a vast number of people have had a hand in making this simple pencil. Unlike your family tree, this one begins with an actual tree. The most immediate ancestor of the pencil is a cedar tree in the Pacific Northwest. But the loggers who harvest the timber are also its ancestors. And these men don't work alone. They, in turn, are assisted by the people and industries that produce the saws, rope, and countless other tools that they use. These are also the ancestors of our pencil. As is the waitress at a nearby diner who sells the loggers lunch. To say nothing of the thousands of people involved in producing that simple midday meal. Across time and space, the web grows. Consider the roads, trucks, ships, communication systems, and the people who design, build, and maintain them. All of them are necessary to bring the lumber to the mills and the slat factories that process them. All of them are also the ancestors of the pencil. And even with the work of all these people, so far all we have is a stained wooden slat, a naked half of a wooden body of a pencil. But its family tree is larger and more extensive. The graphite is mined in China and Sri Lanka. At the pencil factory, it's mixed with clay and heat and other materials before it's extruded, dried, and baked in a kiln. People from different continents, different cultures, cooperate to bring these materials together with waxes and kilns and equipment from across the world. These, too, are the ancestors of the pencil. And the same is true of the eraser. With ingredients from around the world, it's the end result of a similarly complex and exotic branch of the family tree. As is the ferrule, the metal band made from material that is mined, refined, and shipped from all over the world. Each part of the pencil is the result of the collaboration and cooperation of millions of people. Together, they form a process that is constantly changing and adapting. A change in the availability or cost of material from one place might make another source more desirable, and the process changes and adapts fluidly. And there is a fact that's still more astounding. The absence of a mastermind, of anyone dictating these countless actions which bring a pencil into being. Each member of this family tree supplies only a small amount of the necessary know-how needed to make a pencil. They do so voluntarily, not because they necessarily want pencils or like pencils, but because by working to create them, they exchange their labor and skills for the wages that let them buy what they want and need. What you're seeing is the market at work. The spontaneous configuration of creative human energies, of millions of people with their various skills and talents, organizing voluntarily in response to human necessity and desire, as if led by an invisible hand, 
to promote an end which was no part of the intention. Every second we are alive, we benefit from the products of voluntary, spontaneous cooperation. This is the modern world. It's miraculous, it's intricate, and it gets better every day, so long as people are free to interact with each other. If we can leave the creative energies of humankind uninhibited, there's no limit to what we can accomplish. All right, we needed to cut it short, it gets long. President said, look, I, I look forward to a day when we don't need any tariffs or any subsidies. Then I have a proposal. I hope it's embraced. I doubt it will be. The president should now propose to Trudeau in Canada that we will lift every, every tariff related to our steel Every subsidy given to our steel industries, any government-induced benefit given to our steel industry, if Canada will do exactly the same thing. Canada is second behind the United States in providing steel to you and me, and a very, very distant second. Our steel industry, its various uh, businesses within the steel industry, amount to 70% of all the steel that is produced in our country. So let's see if the administration is serious about free and fair trade. I doubt it will happen. You know why? Because the steel industry won't want it. And neither will their union. Why not? That is a level playing field. Challenge Canada to lift all tariffs, all subsidies, all government-induced benefits. We will do the same and let them compete. If they say no, then we'll know. But there's no excuse for our government, is there? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Nothing is funnier than having a foreigner on TV talking about American populism. You notice this? And how Americans feel. It is hilarious. The, the irony is apparently lost on some people. Um, does anyone expect these other countries to sit back when we put taxes on products that are purchased by Americans and manufactured overseas? Isn't that kind of dumb? History tells us that's exactly what's going to happen. This is very predictable. This is quite predictable. I'm not going to sit here like so many lounge acts and uh, make fun of this Canadian Prime Minister's eyebrow and all the rest of it. I don't care about his eyebrow. I don't care for Trudeau. He's a leftist. But Canada is a crucial and very, very close ally. We don't have to worry about our border with Canada. You know how many countries would kill to have an ally like that? No, it doesn't mean we want to get ripped off. 
But I don't even understand. Let's take the president's strongest argument. Let's go to cut two, Mr. Producer. Go ahead. Cut we two, sir. We can't have uh, an example where we're paying, the United States has paying 270%. Just can't have it. And when they send things into us, uh, you don't have that. I will say it was not contentious. What was strong was the language that this cannot go on. But the relationships are very good, whether it be President Macron or, or with Justin. Uh, we had Justin did a really good job. Uh, I think the relationships were outstanding. But because of the fact that the United States leaders of the past didn't do a good job on trade. And again, I'm not blaming countries. I'm blaming our people that represented our past uh, it's uh, going to change. It's going to change. I mean, it's not a question of I hope it changes. It's going to change 100 percent. And tariffs are going to come way down because we people cannot continue to do that. We're like the piggy bank that everybody's robbing. And that ends. How are we the piggy bank that everybody's robbing? I, I don't even understand that. Who's robbing us? When we put tariffs, that is taxes, on products you buy from overseas, the piggy bank gets bigger and bigger and bigger for the United States federal government. The 270%, I believe he's referring to dairy products. Now, just because I'm lactose intolerant, I'm sensitive to this, don't worry. What does that mean? If we buy milk or cheese or eggs from Canada... uh, Check that. If we try to sell milk or eggs... Or cheese to Canada, they put a 270% tax on their own people. On their own people. But if you ask the farmers in this country, including the dairy farmers, if they're excited about this this growing trade war, they're going to tell you no. Because they're being targeted by Europe. Europe's not stupid. Well, they are. But not in this case. They're saying, okay, you want to play politics? We'll play politics. We're going to hit you. Well, you won some elections in the farm bill. And so they're going after wheat and corn and spinach and barley and things of that nature, our agriculture. And this is what happens. And when we ratchet it up, then they ratchet it up. Now, what's going on while we're doing this and while they're responding as they are? China seeks to fill the void. China's saying, okay, we'll trade with you. Okay, we'll even lower some of our barriers. They see an opportunity. Not only that, they've created their equivalent of the G7. I don't remember what they call it, but it's China, Russia, Pakistan, India, if you can believe those two countries are in there together, as well as other countries. And they're saying, okay, we'll form our own economic alliance. Now, while they're doing that, the president says, we'll invite China... We ought to invite China back into G7 and make it the G8 again. Excuse me, Russia, Russia, Russia. Why would we do that with Russia? Why would we bring Putin into the G7 and make it the G8? Honestly, I don't understand it. He's building hypersonic weapons that we cannot defend ourselves against. I hope you watched my, uh, my show. We even did a rerun of it with Peter Pry. We have no defense against these hypersonic weapons. Putin's building them. Putin has violated our nuclear arms agreement, our last one. He's modernizing his nuclear arms, his missiles. 
He's building up his fleet. He's building his alliance with China, among other countries. He's invaded several of his neighbors. Why in the hell would we invite him into the G7 again? That I don't get either. I'll be right back. Mark today for the National Radio Hall of Fame. You can vote by text and email. Text the number 500 to 96,000 and vote at radiovote.com. All right. Appreciate that very, very much. Many of you have. And uh, I want to thank you. Uh, The hour is getting late. So if you want to jump in and vote, we appreciate it. You can find the links on MarkLevinShow.com, our radio website, Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter, and you can literally vote twice. That is two different ways, one by text, one by email, and onto a link. So we appreciate any help we can get from you. Here's how you text it if you want to do it right now. Text the number 500 to 96,000. That's 96000. Some people are texting it to 9600. I don't know why. Just pull out your cell phone and text the number 500 at 96000. Then you can vote another way. Your second time, go to radiovote.com, radiovote.com. You'll have two categories. You need to vote in the first category. If you don't want to vote for anyone there, they also have an abstention button. Then you go to the second category. There's my picture, and you you can click the picture or the button next to the picture and then submit it, and we're set. And I want to thank you again. If you missed out on the Mother's Day sale from Chamonix, then today is your lucky day. Right now, when you order Genesel, you'll get the new Genesel eyelid lift for droopy, saggy eyelids free. And for the first time ever, you'll also get the world-famous Crystal Micro Dermabrasion, also free. Yes, the best sale of the year just got better. Here's Claire from Raleigh, North Carolina. I've been using your products for three days. My husband already noticed the texture of my skin. It's looking so good, it feels nice and smooth with lots of moisture. The bags under my eyes are minimal now. So far, so good. You know, plus with its immediate effects included, you see results in 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. Call 800-SKIN-604 or visit Genesel.com. Experience the power of looking and feeling your best every morning. Order today and say goodbye to bags and puffiness tomorrow. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or visit Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com, Genesel.com. All right, let's take a few calls. Let's first go to a dissent. James, Indianapolis, Indiana, the great WFDM. Go. Hi there, sir. God bless you. I voted for you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the uh, Hall of Fame. Thank I, you. I recognize that you're, you're one of the few great conservative voice in the country and you you and Lou Dobbs uh, you know openly recognize what's going on as far as the coup on America I I would say as, as one of the 84 percent of the 84 percent of precincts that voted for Trump in this last election I, I think that myself and the rest of Americans stand strong with Trump on this move we've been getting bent over by the rest of the world for so long that I don't how so think it's a permanent tell me move. how I, I want to walk through this how have we been bent over so long by the rest of the world? These tariffs that are taking place throughout Europe on our cars that charge us. Well, we have tariffs on our cars, too, you know. That charge us 
to deliver cars to their such that our price is not presented to their people. Sir, we, I'm just telling you, we have 12,000 tariffs in place. We don't even know what they are because they slip them in the legislation. We have them on sugar and mushrooms and almonds and tea and big tariffs, some cases 300%. And I'm in agreement with you when you say we'll drop ours if you drop yours. Why don't but we do, do that? See. Why don't we challenge them? But I'm, I'm good with exactly that. But first, I'm, I'm in for exacting the pain and then making that off. It's not going to so happen. Yes. It, we're not, the pain you're exacting is on the guy who lives next door to you. I'll bet you on that one. I'll give you my address, and, and we'll make 100 No, no, no. You know what I mean. The pain. Well, what is a tariff? Let's try it that way. I'll put money behind it. I don't, you know. James, what is a tariff? 100 It's a tariff. All right. People, if what? we want to buy those products, and as far as I'm concerned, there will be no tariff. I will make sure I buy nothing that is sourced by Canada. Y- you by have Canada. no way of knowing when you buy an automobile, even though there's a Buy American Act, it allows like a certain huge percentage of foreign products within the car. You don't have any idea what you're buying when you buy that car. I don't either. Told that I've restored with American products. What's that? God bless you, sir. Have a good night. Godspeed. Okay. Is that the best I'm going to get, Mr. Producer? Is that the best we're going to get? I'm really not into the emotion thing. I want to talk rationality here. You want to get emotion, get this clown Peter Navarro on. That, that guy will just... What a dunce. If you disagree, call. We have a line open. Because so far everybody's against. Well, not exactly. Greg, Chicago, Illinois, XM Satellite. Go. Yeah, Hello, Greg, Mark. go ahead. How are you? First of all, I want to wish your father a happy 93rd birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Second of all, I have voted for you also. Uh-oh. And third, you and regret thirdly, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, and thir- thirdly, I want to thank you for the education you have given me the last five years. Well, thank you, sir. I have learned a lot from you, and I will continue to listen to you because I know you are a great teacher. I just lost you. Are you still there? That's all I have to say, sir. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Just lost him. I'm, per- I'm more than happy to have a rational, calm conversation with people who disagree with me. I really am on this. Just not the rah-rah stuff. The rah-rah stuff is irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. Travis, Fairfax, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Yes. Uh, it's an honor to speak with you. Thank you, sir. I happened to catch uh, the president's remarks after the G7, and I don't understand why he doesn't come out and say, I have an open-ended agreement with any country that wants to sign it, that there will be no tariffs, no subsidies, no barriers of entry on any of our business, and it will be true free trade. I don't understand Mm -hmm. why he doesn't do that, to put it... I just said this with Canada. Why not say to Canada, okay, and take one product. We'll do this on steel. We'll give. A, we'll have a clean slate. You have a clean slate. I totally agree. It would put the put them on the back foot to say, well, because they're saying they're only doing this because we're doing it. It's retaliation. Exactly. Exactly. But isn't it? Inch- I, I don't believe the steel industry would want that. But actually, while I was on hold, I thought of something. Why are we making the CEO bending over backwards because he ate at a a restaurant during this month? But we don't make the steel CEO bend over backwards to say why he's against free trade. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I don't know. I appreciate your call, sir. I really do. The president said, if we could live in a world, uh, a paraphrase, of no tariffs and so forth, and so on, he'd be all for it. Okay. Well, you're the president. I'm saying pick steel, pick Canada, the second biggest supplier of steel in this country, behind American companies. American companies supply 70% of it. And say, all right, we'll lift all of our barriers on our steel if you'll lift all the barriers on your steel. And I'm saying that our steel industry will squawk like stuck pigs. I believe that. But let's do it. Let's put everybody to the test. Let us go to Ralph, Stanford, Connecticut, the great WABC. Go. Mark, how are you? Okay. When, uh, my, my brother turned me on to your show when uh, his daughter was little. She used to call you the angry man. Yes. Anyway, uh, I did, after you mentioned the... Uh, hold on, hold on. It's the angry white man. Isn't that the phrase? <laughs> I guess, yeah. Yes. Uh, after uh, you told us about the tariffs that George Bush put on steel, I looked right. up the, the committee report that was produced by Congress. And it showed that the uh, void that was filled by the loss of our exports was filled by China. Exactly. And we lost 200,000 jobs. Yep. And I looked up the names that were on that committee, and, it, and Mike Pence was one of them. Yeah. Did he vote for it? I, no, he was on the committee that did the analysis. He was opposed to it. People don't remember it. George W. Bush put these steel tariffs in place for 10 months. The Chinese, as they do... Filled the gap immediately, and we lost almost 200,000 jobs. Exactly. All right, my friend. Thanks for your call. This should be cool. cool. Joe, let's jump the Joe Detroit, Michigan XM satellite. Go. Hi, Mark. I never thought I would agree with you, but the stuff you said about Peter Navarro was right on. He made a fool of himself, and he made a fool of our country yesterday. No, 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 no. One man can't make a fool of our country. Well, Trump's helping. No, he didn't either. Sir, we can have a disagreement with the president and so forth and so on uh, without you libs getting on here and just trying to sabotage him at every turn. Uh, I thought I thought you guys uh, with Bernie Sanders and all the rest, I thought you would love this kind of stuff. What did you think of the Canada summit? Why don't you answer my question? I don't even care about the Canada summit. Everybody here ringing their head. Well, they won't put out a communique. Who cares? I asked you a question. If Bernie Sanders was doing all this, you'd be slobbering all over yourself. No, I think he's too left-wing. Okay, thanks for your call. This guy, I don't know, tells Mr. Call Screener one thing, and then he says another. Let's go to Kurt, Houston, Texas, Sirius Satellite. How are you? Hey, Mark. He's on. Speak to me, sir. Unfortunately, your speaker or your Bluetooth or whatever is not clear. Okay. Uh, Better? Turn it off. Let's go to Lou. Uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Lou? Lou, are you there? Go. All right, we're having a hell of a time with our calls, with our callers. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. an additional $5,000 just sitting around. Anybody? Well, I don't think so. But you're going to need it if your HVAC system burns up because you weren't attentive to it. 
and you didn't change out your air filters. That's the truth. I know you think I'm being melodramatic, but if you saw how bad this allergy season has been, all that junk, which isn't in your lungs, is in your home's HVAC filters. Plus, it's getting hot outside, and your system is working much harder. Spend 15 or 20 bucks, save your lungs and your HVAC system with fresh filters from my friends at FilterBuy, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. Now, we talk about buying American. They're made in America. This is a small American business. They carry over 600 sizes. And if you're one of those people uh, who wants a custom filter, you can get that too. Plus, they ship free within 24 hours. And if that isn't enough, they're manufactured, as I said, right here in America. So really, there's no excuse. Set up auto delivery just makes life easier. Plus, you save 5%. Additionally, you extend the life of that HVAC system you have. It's getting hotter outside, and the last thing you need is a busted HVAC system on top of the allergies. Save time, save money, breathe better with FilterBuy.com. I know I do. That's FilterBuy.com, FilterBuy.com. Make sure you tell them Mark sent you get the 5% off. All right. We've got quite a little split going on here. Poses tariffs, supports tariffs. Alex, Jersey City, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Mark, how are you? Thank you so much for taking my call. A huge fan. Thank um, you. You know, I, I am conflicted about some of these tariffs. I'm a union electrician, and I have traveled to Greece extensively and have witnessed firsthand the exuberant prices that American products cost there. I mean, a Harley-Davidson, in, to purchase a Harley-Davidson in Athens costs $25,000 more than it would here. You can't touch a pair of... So why do they buy... Are, but they buy them for $25,000 more? They don't. They don't. Our products don't... Well, then you, didn't, then you didn't see one in Greece. Well, I, they're in stores, but they just sit on the shelves. All right. Um, you know, our tools, you know, uh, I buy American tools. Hold on a second. So who's buying Harley-Davidson motorcycles? Pardon me, Mark... So Americans are buying Harleys. Other countries, people are buying Harleys. So they're not buying them in Greece. They're not buying them in Greece, and they're not buying them in Europe. They're exuberant. Well, I know that's not the case, because I've been to Europe, and I've seen a lot of Harley-Davidsons in Europe. Well, they're, they're not touching them in Greece, that's for sure. Uh, right. You know, even... Um, I, was, I was for, you know, the originally when, when um, they tackled the lumber problem... Uh, with um, the dairy products, you know, I, I, it's scary because we don't, I, you know, I don't want to get into a trade war because it hurts me, the middle class guy, you know, the electrician, the plumber, the carpenter. Let, let me tell you what's going to hurt the electrician, the plumber, and the carpenter if this keeps up. Because there will not be a lot of new homes built, there will not be home expansion. It's not going to happen. Lumber, steel, Aluminum are in every house. Yep. Go ahead. Yep. 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 What, what, Mark, what, what is the solution to the? And by the way, where does all that copper come from in the copper wiring? They still uh, use copper. They sure. Well, all, all of our conductors are copper. Aluminum is not used anymore. Where does copper come from? Most of it. It comes from overseas. It comes from China. We don't we don't produce these things anymore. Okay, so if we have a, a battle over copper, what's going to happen to your job? 
well, my job, we're all going to get laid off. We're going to be down the union hall. That's and why I'm not really digging this. Yeah, I'm not either. I'm not either. But, you know, I want to put more union members back to work, you know, even outside of my industry, you know, um, in Michigan. I'll tell you, the way you put more people to work, union and non-union, blue collar, white collar, no collar is you massively expand the economy. I think the president has that side of it down. Yeah. But then when you turn around and you start taxing at 25%, that is a big hack. That is a big hit. And same with aluminum. I mean, you're going after these materials that are found everywhere in, in, in our products, steel and aluminum and so forth. Think about the auto mechanics. What happens to them if all of a sudden we have a recession in the purchasing of automobiles? See, the problem is this, Alex. We can't copy what these backward socialist countries do. If we copy them, we'll become poorer. We'll become just like them. That's the problem. <clears throat> Greece's market is so tiny, it's irrelevant, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, and China is a problem. There's a national security exception, as far as I'm concerned, way to do everything we can to battle the, uh, the Chinese communists and so forth. But I don't know. I have a real problem with all these battles going on. And... The tax in purchasing Harley-Davidson's, it's not a tax on the American people. It's a tax, a tax on the uh, citizens of Greece. Citizens of Greece, but, but Mark, one, one last question. What do you say to the argument um, that the only reason we won World War II was because we were able to outproduce with our iron and build tanks and planes and, and guns and so on and so forth, and we couldn't match that today? I, mean, I don't believe that. We still have many assembly lines. We still have plenty of steel. We still have plenty of what we need. But here's the problem, Alex. The problem is the president signed a budget agreement that is way out of control, but he signed it mostly to fund the military, correct? Right, correct. I have a son who's an active duty Army. Um... I knew I liked you. But <laughs> let, me, let me just say this, though. You're driving up the cost of steel and aluminum. What do you think that happens to the military's budget? It's going to go through the roof. We're going to have less of what we need because it's more expensive. Right, correct. But I, I, I believe if we were ever under attack, we would do what we did in World War II. We'd use our assembly lines. You know, the auto companies, they, they, were, uh, they were paid to produce tanks and jeeps and that sort of thing. We'd do the same thing. As for steel, as I said, 70% of the steel that's produced is produced domestically. The second biggest is Canada. So at least as of about 12 hours ago, they are an ally of ours. It's not like they're going to deny us steel. We get very little steel from China or anybody else for that matter. This has been a big myth out there. It's been driving me nuts about steel. Alex, I could never do what you do. I'd uh, electrocute myself and burn my house down. So uh, you take care out there, all right, buddy? And my best to your son. And we'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. All right, let's move on to some other things. I'm sure this will be around for a while. 
the uh, summit between the president and UN will begin in about an hour. Nobody will know anything until there's actually a summit. Uh, and we had a great show Sunday on Fox with Congressman DeSantis and Congressman Zeldin. And we talked about this uh, North Korea summit and so forth. And I'm not going to play it all for you, obviously, but I do want to play a little bit for you uh, because these gentlemen were really outstanding, absolutely outstanding. Let us start with, uh, with DeSantis, who is running for the Republican nomination of governor in Florida, by the way, who I like very, very much, very solid man. And uh, he also served in Iraq. You know, he went to Yale and then I think Harvard Law School or vice versa. And uh, really an exceptional young man. Here he is from Life, Liberty, and Levin yesterday. Cut 10, go. president's about to have a summit in North Korea. He has moved considerable military assets off the peninsula of Korea. Uh, several um, uh, ships, uh, submarines, and has put enormous pressure on Korea as well as economic pressure. Uh, how do you think he's doing so far with respect to North Korea? I think it's been great. I mean, it kind of reminds me of when Reagan came in. You know, we had the Cold War, but throughout the 70s, it was detente. All the smart people in Washington, like, oh, communism's here to stay. And Reagan's like, no, we win, they lose. That's my policy. So he started the buildup. He upped the rhetoric. Um, he was deploying missiles into, into Europe with some of our allies. All the people in Washington thought the guy was nuts. This was crazy. And look what ended up happening. Eventually... You know, Gorbachev realized that he wasn't going to be able to beat the United States, and that led to the fall of the Berlin Wall and the, and the expiration of the Soviet Union. Now, North Korea isn't as big a problem as, as the Soviet Union was in the Cold War, but I think it's similar in the sense the last 25 years, everyone in Washington has basically had the same basic posture. Oh, let's just hope it gets better. Don't really do anything. Just leave it be. Obama for eight years did absolutely nothing but let it fester. And then he had the gall to tell President-elect Trump, hey, North Korea's going to be a big one. You better take care of it. So Trump comes in with really a record of failure and he bucks a lot of the conventional wisdom in Washington. He's not captive to what people here think about him and he's willing uh, to, to, to chart new territory. And I think that's what he's done. It's really been a full-spectrum uh, pressure campaign. Yes, you mentioned the military, the Treasury Department, what they're doing, the State Department, and then his rhetoric, uh, upping the rhetoric. Um, and he's rattled North Korea. He's rattled Kim Jong-un. Look, it's still a very tough problem. we got a long way to go. But I can tell you we have a much better chance of getting an acceptable outcome because the president decided to take the bull by the horns and exercise leadership. Of course, he rattled the Lib media and the Libs, period. Uh, I think he's he's dealt with North Korea absolutely brilliantly. It's been fabulous. Now, we'll see what comes out of this. To me, we have to be very, very careful as a country because they lie through their teeth. They say they're going to do certain things. They get all these resources. And uh, if, in fact, it's our position that we will not do anything to destabilize that uh, genocidal police state regime, uh, I just hope we're very, very sharp about it and do not start removing our troops or anything like that. Because remember, China's sitting right on that border there. And uh, that's a grave danger to us. And China is not constrained. China's out of control right now. Militarily, 
and in terms of stealing our technology economically. Lee Zeldin, also a congressman, um, also served in Iraq. He was in the Army. And uh, very, very impressive. He's a congressman from uh, New York. And let's hear what he had to say. Cut 11, go. Now, as for Kim Jong-un, do we know much about him? You fellows sit on this very, very important committee. Do members of Congress know much about him? North Korea is, you could say, the toughest country on the globe to collect intel on. Kim Jong-un is one that, uh, you know, as I mentioned, he uh, has proven to be homicidal, but he, he wants to stay in power. He wants to stay alive. Uh, so that's certainly something that uh, is, uh, I think, important to leverage in uh, understanding that, that we can achieve our results uh, by utilizing that and letting him know that maybe taking on her regime, his regime is a possibility if he doesn't uh, not only stop the bad behavior, but also engage in the denuclearization to that next level. Um, I think, you know, as far as the country goes, what's very different than Iran. Iran, you have millions of Iranians who will take to the streets. They want to overthrow their government. North Korea... A lot of people, they don't believe that their problems are because of Kim Jong-un, but it's in spite of his best efforts in pursuing a better path for the North Koreans. So I think he has more support from his people. Uh, And I also believe that uh, economically, though, that um, the sanctions that were ramped up in 2017, we had a unanimous vote. Uh, Thankfully, we were able to even get China. Even Russia voted for effectively cutting off over one-third of North Korean exports in August of 2017. I think economically, they need this. They need this summit. They need this agreement more than I think a lot of Americans and people around the world even realize. And that's a good thing for getting the results we're looking for. Now, Mike Pompeo was asked today, you know, we've been fooled by North Korea before, Democrat and Republican presidents. What makes this different? Cut seven, go. The United States has been fooled before. There's no doubt about it. Many presidents previously have uh, signed off on pieces of paper only to find that the North Koreans either uh, didn't promise what we thought they had or actually reneged on their promises. The V matters. The, the V matters. We, we are going to ensure that we set up a system sufficiently robust that we're able to verify these outcomes. And it's only once the V happens that we'll proceed apace. Right? That's that's what's been missed before. Uh, you know, we can go back to Reagan Trust to verify. At the end of the day, both countries are going to have to come to have sufficient trust in each other and to do the verification that each country needs, that we've provided the things that are called for, that we commit to in the various documents that we sign, both tomorrow if we sign a document and if we sign subsequent documents. But we'll each have to ensure that we do the things, we take the actions necessary to follow through on those commitments. And when we do, we'll have a verified deal. And uh, if we can get that far, we will have had a historic change uh, here in Southeast Asia, North Asia, and all around the world. Now, that's very, very interesting. It sounds really swell, but it's tougher than it sounds, particularly with a uh, a Stalinist regime like this, just as it was tough with Iran, which cheated and lied all the way, as North Korea has done over decades. Now, um, my question to you folks is this. Would this be a treaty? That requires Senate vote? Would this be a treaty that requires a supermajority of the Senate? Or does it depend what's in it? 
Now we have a fellow by the name of Ben Rhodes. Ben Rhodes is a wart on a camel's behind. He was the deputy national security advisor, and through and through, he was a liar, in my humble opinion. Now, of course, he is a commentator on CNN. This is the guy that pushed the Iran deal and was so proud of himself for manipulating the press. And then the press hires him. It just shows you how destitute the press are. And yesterday he was asked, you know, what's with Obama? He didn't make any progress with North Korea. Cut eight, go. With North Korea, what was different for us uh, was two things. One, we had a right-wing government in South Korea the whole time that we were in office. And I think people failed to appreciate how much the fact of this diplomacy is tied to President Moon more than anybody see, else. See, this is, this is, uh, this is the uh, propagandist. It's Trump who's driven this whole thing. It's Trump who's driven this whole thing. Obama had no interest in North Korea. It was too hard. He didn't want to do it. He was busy selling us out to Iran, selling us out to Cuba, selling us out to uh, those types. When he came to North Korea, he just took a pass. It's too hard because he'd have to be tough on China, and he didn't want to do that. Um, we have enormous influence over the, uh, over the president of uh, North Korea. Excuse me, South Korea. So when he says, you know, we had a right winger there and so forth and so on, that's not it. This guy's so full of it, it's coming out of his nostrils. Go ahead. He really wants to make this happen. Um, and the, the second thing is that Kim Jong-un took power while we were in our second term. And we, we had to take the measure of him. Um, and what we saw him do, by the way, was purge any potential opponents, including the people who were closest to China. Uh, and then, towards the end of our administration, begin to consolidate this nuclear deterrent. And so, frankly, I think Kim Jong-un is coming into this from a position of strength. So what I see is a South Korean president who wants to avoid a war, a North Korean president who believes that he's operating from a position of strength, and a U.S. president who's not prepared. Oh, this guy's such a lowlife. He just is. U.S. president who's not prepared? The U.S. president drove on to this point, drove China to this point. And so now he's a CNN commentator. You know, one day somebody has to write a book about the media. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. female, obviously. She says, uh, the gentleman who called earlier about uh, the price of Harleys in Greece should travel outside Athens. She said, no way are they 25000 more than in the U.S. I'm not, nor was I ever a biker chick, but I recall when I was living in London, for example, they were probably cheaper because of the exchange rate, as I thought a bike would be better to get around as traffic there sucks. They're comparable to U.S. prices in Europe, although it may not be as many sales lots. Uh, but I believe he was flat wrong on the price. Perhaps he got confused by exchange rates and, uh, and the mess in Greece. Uh, so there is that. There is that. Let's see if there's... Uh, I want to go to this here. Let us go to uh, Joe. Atlanta, Georgia, XM Satellite. Go right ahead. Hello, Mark. This is great talking to you. Thank um, you. So 
I'm, I'm from a place in West Africa. I just recently became a citizen. Um, so two things. Trump is doing a great service for the world. And most people in the world, well, from the area I come from, totally respect Trump. Uh, you know, we see corruption so much that with a leader that is able to come in and lead is somebody that, you know, most people that come from places where dictators take, you know, uh, the people for granted, they, they want to see somebody who would lead and, and think about its people. Now, over here in America, it's, it's amazing how in dictatorships... Now, now you're president. talking about North Korea, how he's been handling that. I'm talking about North Korea, yes. yes. How, you know, he's doing a great service. Uh, um, but I'm talking about how the media is portraying Trump, even as he goes into North Korea. It's basically they want him to fail. And I see that the, uh, the, the normally in dictatorships is the dictator that goes after the media. You know, if you're a journalist, they put you in jail because you wrote something bad. But here in America, it's rather the media that is going after the president. And in a way, it's some type of a coup. To, to depose the president, and they use all types of laws to, you know, nobody's even saying anything about the people that actually voted Trump in. And I see the media as a for-profit company. They want to make money, and, and they propagate news and division into the country so much that it's amazing. It's totally amazing. And even in Africa, when CNN comes on, and anybody starts seeing CNN, somebody will ask, why are they always bashing on Trump? Actually, I just came from uh, a country in Africa, and watching TV, CNN came on, and everybody said, why are they always bashing Trump? It's amazing. This is unbelievable that the president has to keep on fighting just to preserve. This is a coup. For me, the way I see it, it's totally a coup. And maybe the West has a different way of, you know, deposing presidents. Maybe in, in, the, in other countries, they use guns, but over here is the media. Whoever has the money and, and can buy a media company, can you know, politicians are scared of the media. So that is totally unbelievable that the media didn't go up to Trump, attack his family. Well, let, let, me, let me say this. I agree with you completely what's going on with the media in this country. And it is very much one-sided. And those areas in the media uh, that are not trashing Trump or... Uh, not trying to sabotage Trump, are under attack, too. The number one host on Fox is Sean Hannity. It's not even close. Uh, he used to be close in his competition with Maddow. It's not even close anymore. He's number one, and he's number one by far. And so what do the media try to do? Destroy him. They go after his assets, his holdings, real estate, which he, he's not even sure all the real estate he owns because, you know, you don't manage it day to day. You give it to other people and you put money in a fund and so forth and so on. When have you ever seen the media try and take out a competitor or somebody on another channel based on their legitimate legal <laughs> investments? I mean, it is it's absolutely stunning uh, as if he's a politician running for office and so forth. The there's two things about our media that I would mention to you, my friend. Number one. You know, at the beginning of this uh, country, early on, I should say, during the colonial period, the most of these newspapers and pamphleteers, not all, but most, uh, would align with a cause or align with a party. And you knew when you were reading it or reading the person writing uh, where they were coming from and so forth. Today, we have this big lie and this myth of an objective media. Some journalists may try to be, but very few, uh, in fact, are or try to be. Uh, that's number one. Number two, it's almost 
not completely, but almost universally left. And so they defend Obama. They defend his lawlessness. They defend his unconstitutional acts. They don't even mention them most of the time. And in the case of Trump, they try to turn his policy positions into crimes and unconstitutional acts. And they give the kooks on the left voice because they are the kooks on the left. So uh, the media in this country likes to pretend that the media in this country are, you know, defending our First Amendment, defending freedom of the press, defending this, defend. They defend nothing except themselves and their cohorts in politics. No, they don't. And, and if I could just say one more thing before I go. Uh, I mean, I, like I said, I became a citizen just uh, uh, the la- last year, last, uh, I think last two years, and I did vote for Trump, and I'm black as well. So, of course. CNN couldn't get to me to, uh, to destroy or, you know... Wait, which my- country are you from? I'm from Ghana, a country in West Africa. Oh, I know uh, where it is. You know. And you're saying Trump is popular there? Of course. Not yeah. just Ghana. It's at Nigeria. Because, you know, and what they don't tell you is most immigrants voted for Trump. <laughs> this is what the lie is amazing. A lot of people I know voted for Trump. Because, like I said, if we come, if you come from a place where dictators have taken the country and just, you know, they do what they want. When you see somebody that stands for the people, you, you know, um, we, we just gravitate to him. And what he says is what the people, basically, he, he's fighting for the people. I'm actually looking at news directly from North Korea, uh, South Korea, because I was thinking, CNN, you know, I'm not going to get what I need. The South Korean people actually want it. They are praying to get Trump. Joe, I got to go with the music. Listen. Terrific call. Please call us again. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, simply the smartest man on radio. And you can call him 877-381-3811. You know, folks, I have to make a confession. I did this once many, many years ago. I don't really want to make this confession, but I have to make this confession. There is a leftist who is on Fox frequently. His name is Richard Goodstein. Ever seen him, Mr. Producer? He's often on with Tucker, among others. And here's what I'm embarrassed to confess. He's a distant cousin of mine. He's a distant cousin of mine. He was advising Hillary Clinton. I've got cousins like this. I don't talk to them. I don't talk to them at all. Why should I? This guy's a distant cousin, with emphasis on the word distant. Let's see here. Let's talk about, oh, my ID care. You know, there's a kind of identity theft that I'm just learning about. And it just shows you how cyber thieves will never, ever stop trying to steal your identity. Why? Well, because it's virtually priceless on the black market. Synthetic ID theft. Have you ever heard of synthetic ID theft? I hadn't either. It's when thieves take pieces of personal information from various people, create a fake persona, and it's incredibly difficult to catch since there's not a complete ID to match against. But my ID care covers you for even this sophisticated kind of scam. No one can protect you 100%, but my ID care, they're the best. They offer best-in-class protection, they, and they also give you a 100% identity recovery guarantee 
if you do fall victim or your money back. Now, with plans less than 10 bucks a month, it really is time to let my ID care take care of you the way they take care of me and my family. Credit freezes alone won't protect you uh, from all nine types of identity theft. But my ID care will. Learn more and get 15% off at myidcare.com slash mark promo code mark. Now that's a mouthful, so let's do that again. That's myidcare.com slash mark. And then use promo code mark where it's easier than ever to enroll and to protect yourselves. You know, my ID care became a sponsor a few months ago because I did some research on this identity theft protection, and they were the best. It wasn't even close. And they provide the best coverage, and they provide you with the guarantee. They used to just work with uh, major corporations, and then they, they expanded to include the little people like us. So I would strongly encourage you to get ID protection and to get my ID care. One more time. And by the way, do this and you'll get 15% off. Go to myidcare.com slash mark and then use promo code mark. The gentleman calling who's originally from Africa, Ghana, and he says, you know, Trump is loved in Ghana the way he's loved in Nigeria, and he is. But you wouldn't know it because they don't report it in this country. He's also loved in Israel. And you would know it because I've reported that to you, and you would assume so. He is the greatest friend as president Israel has had. He just is. And then I saw this from the Associated Depressed. An opinion poll published Sunday, that would be yesterday, shows deep divisions between Israelis and American Jews, particularly in relation to President Donald Trump, highlighting the growing rift between the world's two largest Jewish communities. The survey of the American Jewish Committee showed 77% of Israelis approved of the president's handling of U.S.-Israel relations. Only 34% of American Jews did. 57% of U.S. Jews disapprove, while only 10% of Israelis did. So what's going on here? I'll tell you what's going on here. These, what is it? 34% of American Jews. Let's see here. 77% of Israelis approve. 34% approve. The ones who don't approve, many of them are secularists. Many of them worship liberalism and big government. And many of them are Democrats. They don't live in this tiny little country, Israel. That's a figment of their imagination. Or it's a place to visit from time to time. But they really don't understand what goes on in the Middle East. They were Barack Obama supporters, many of them. They supported the Iran deal, many of them. And many of them are self-haters, in my humble opinion. That's right. That's right, I said it. That's why there's a division. That's why you have individuals in Ghana, individuals in Nigeria, individuals in Israel who really adore President Trump. The Democrat Party is becoming a problem for people who believe in liberty. Not only in the United States, but all over the world. The Democrat Party, at least under under the leadership of people like Scoop Jackson, Henry Jackson of the state of Washington among others, used to at least be solid when it came to foreign policy. But less and less so. Less and less so. 
And frankly, Republicans, particularly conservatives, are the ones who stand up for people all over the world who are oppressed. Doesn't mean we can send our military to every place in the world. I'm not talking about that. But we understand or try to understand what these people are going through. But in the case of Israel, when I came back, and I told you this story, and I was at the airport in Boston on the way to Washington, having flown from Israel, having uh, been at the ceremony where the embassy was moved by our president from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and I witnessed all of it. And I witnessed all the signs in the streets and the banners praising Trump. And I said, isn't it amazing how little of this is covered by the American media? And while in Boston, waiting for my connection to Washington, I was actually reading on my iPhone the news where Hamas, excuse me, yeah, Hamas in, uh, in the Gaza Strip was, you know, trying to rush the border with tens of thousands of people to commit terrorist acts and so forth and so on. How the American media were acting as if this was all throughout the country of Israel, which it clearly and certainly was not. And moreover, how they were defending Hamas. And that's when I made the point that the American media had blood on their hands, which was picked up by various ambassadors and others. But the American media had blood on their hands because Hamas is throwing its women and children in particular in front of the fire to get positive media attention. The leadership Hamas, they're full of cowards. They send their own people to do the dirty work. They actually force them to do the dirty work. And so uh, I can see this. You have the, Amer- the uh, Anti-Defamation League, which is now headed by a left-wing Democrat who worked as a special assistant to Barack Obama. And he's Jewish. And so he's very particular about what sets him off. It was a huge mistake for the Anti-Defamation League to hire a puke like that. Did I call Greenblatt a puke? Well, I meant it. I meant it. What are you going to do about it? He hates Trump. Loves the Iran deal. Can you believe this? You know, it's in every religion. But, you know, this is my religion, so I see it more closely than other religions. Andrew, Stan Hope, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. There's great um, examples throughout history. Um, the press always goes against America. For example, you were in the Reagan administration. You probably remember when Reagan negotiated with Gorbachev. Not only the media, but like a lot of crowds would praise Gorbachev, like Occupy Wall Street type kids. All right, let me just stop you now. A little breaking news that the president has tweeted from Singapore that Larry Kudlow has had a heart attack. One of his uh, economic advisors, who we know very well on this program. Uh, Mr. Producer, you want to you check around for that, please? Okay, go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. That's okay. I wish him the best. I love him. Hopefully it won't be yes. a serious one. I and agree. I'd like to say... Gorbachev, it was easier for him to negotiate. He was the loser. His country was in a disarray. They were bankrupt. When you're defeated, it's easy to make friends and peace. Yet the Americans would, you know, these college kids would rally and praise Gorbachev, wouldn't praise Reagan. Vietnam, they would show 
horrors or supposed horrors. Let me let me just uh, add a footnote to this. And I keep hearing this said uh, that the Soviet Union was on the brink of collapse, and really Reagan came at the right time and said that's not the case. Reagan pushed them to the brink of collapse. Reagan forced them to spend an enormous amount of funds on their weapon systems because he poured an enormous amount of funds into our weapon systems. And he deployed the Pershing II, and he was building the, the Trident, and he was doing a whole bunch of things which had a strategic purpose. And uh, a lot of younger people who come up behind uh, we old-time conservatives and so forth, they don't have this right. Uh, the Soviet Union was not on the brink of collapse. The Soviet Union was forced to the brink of collapse. Reagan coordinated with Thatcher. They coordinated with John Paul II. They coordinated with Helmut Kohl in Germany, among others. You had a remarkable group of human beings there in those four. And uh, he kept the pressure on economically and militarily. You know, he had them... Uh, uh, he he had them where he wanted them in in uh, Afghanistan among other places. So uh, uh, this idea that well you know the Soviet Union was on the brink of collapse and Reagan just came in and touched them with a pinky and off that that is exactly wrong. Anyway, go ahead. It's revisionist. See that's the exact point you're making. The point he bankrupted them, Reagan, and they had rallies. I saw in America, college kids, Gorbachev, and. Um, yeah, pe- people don't remember how Reagan was trashed. He was trashed very, very harshly. So was Mrs. Reagan. Uh, he, it was said that he would bring nuclear war. It was said that uh, he was instigating war, that he was a warmonger, that he was a dunce and dumb, a bee actor, and so forth and so on. Uh, and uh, they, they really did trash the hell out of him. But what they're doing to Trump is, is, is worse. Is worse. Right, what yeah. they did to Reagan was terrible, but what they're doing to Trump is even worse. We all benefited from what Reagan did. And in Vietnam, too, I'm not supporting the Vietnam War, but they did the same. They would always point out what our soldiers, they would say, do this wrong. And Time Magazine had the cover of a young girl that was naked. That Running means- naked. And I, and I will tell you, if the same, that same media generation were around during World War II, they could well have dispirited the American people, and who knows what would have happened. Uh, from the 1960s forward, uh, we've had a media generation of leftists who, in my opinion, do not put the country first. They put their uh, their fame first. Uh, they they are they are proud uh, Don Quixotes of the left, if you will, uh, and they have their own agenda. But thank you for your call, my friend. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Okay, let's see here. Trying to get the news on our buddy Larry Kudlow. This is from Fox. Larry Kudlow, National Economic Council Director, hospitalized. Let's see. After suffering a heart attack, President Trump says in a tweet, Our great Larry Kudlow, who has been working so hard on trade and the economy, has just suffered a heart attack. He's now in Walter Reed Medical Center. So luckily he was here in the United States. Uh, because Walter Reed Medical Center is a top, top facility, and we wish him all the best. I have no more information on this, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't think I'll have more information uh, by the time we get off the air either. But fingers crossed and prayers. 
Oh, boy. Nothing can put a dent into your summer plans quite like your car breaking down. You hit with a huge repair bill out of nowhere, and all the money you save for an island getaway now has to pay to fix your car. Well, when you have extended vehicle protection like I do from CarShield on our 2010 Camaro, you don't have to worry about these unwelcome surprises. Look, if your car breaks down after the manufacturer's warranty expires, you could be out of pocket thousands and thousands of dollars just to get it fixed. Replacing your engine alone can cost thousands. Even a simple repair to a sensor can cost over $1,000. And there's nothing simple about today's cars either. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do all the work. It's your choice. And they also provide your 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental card while yours is being fixed for free. Save yourself thousands in future car repairs and don't worry about missing out this summer. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection like I did. Call 800-CAR-6100, 800-CAR-6100. Make sure you mention code LEVIN. Or visit carshield.com. That's carshield.com. Use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. In both instances, you'll save 10%. That's carshield.com, code LEVIN. Or call 800-CAR-6100, mention code LEVIN, get your 10%. A deductible may apply. All right, let's take a call here. I am searching. I am searching. Noah, Fort Collins, Colorado, on the Mark LEVIN app. Go! Hey, Mark, thanks for having me on. Uh, I just wanted to comment on, you were talking about Israel and this survey of American Jews and Israeli Jews and, you know, support of, and do they support Donald Trump and uh, what he's been doing for the state of Israel? And what you were saying is, is 100% spot on. So my mom's a rabbi. I'm, I'm Jewish, right? And uh, my mom's a rabbi. And I got to tell you, she watches Rachel Maddow on MSNBC as religiously as she studies the Torah. I'm listening. Anyway, that's- all right, sir. Appreciate your call. I don't know what's going on. Is he calling me from a car wash or what there? All right, no, I appreciate it. Let us go to Christopher Richmond, Kentucky, the great WVLK. Quickly, sir, go. Yes, sir, Mark. Uh, I just wanted to bring something up on the trade deficits that wasn't talked about. And one was uh, long term, not short term, but long term, it creates job outsourcing and uh, currency devaluation. No, it doesn't. We've had deficits long-term. We're at 3.8% unemployment, and we don't have currency devaluation. Long-term, it always does. Did did you hear what I just said? We've had deficits as far as the eye can see, uh, trade deficits, which are not like uh, federal spending deficits, and we have 3.8% unemployment, and our currency is strong as hell. It is not. Travel over to Europe. I've done it uh, it is so, sir, and I don't have to travel to Europe any more than you have traveled to Europe. These are the facts. The currency is very strong, very strong, and if it gets weak, it won't be because of the trade deficit. If it gets weak, it'll be because of the federal deficit that we've created for ourselves. That's number one. Number two, we've had trade deficits for a long time. You heard the president say it, and he's correct. And in fact, it has not created job losses. We're at 3.8%. What creates job losses is our own domestic economic policies. Well, that, that I'm not... Thank you for the call. I know. Nothing I say matters. I got it. 
Some people are ideological about this, and then they claim to be conservatives. If you're into big tariffs, you're not a conservative. Even the president would say that. And don't give me that as pro-American when you're taxing the American people up the wazoo for something they want to purchase. Don't give me this Bernie Sanders crap. I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying it. Meanwhile, these people calling, they'll go out to a restaurant, they'll buy a steak. They don't even know if it comes from Argentina, Brazil, or down the street. They have no idea. They don't know where their silverware comes from or their plateware comes from. They have no idea. They have nowhere where the parts in their automobile comes from. Some of them are driving Mercedes Benzes or Toyotas, and they're bragging about Buy America and so forth. It's, it's, it's all a load of crap. Liberty's the answer. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Check us out on Levin TV. And we wish our friend Larry Kudlow the best. We'll keep an eye on this. And we wish our president the very, very best as he negotiates with that thug from North Korea. God bless to each and every one of you.